Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Something about a man in a uniform screams trustworthy. If you live near a military base, then the sight of a soldier in his uniform is not only commonplace, but garners a certain level of respect. On February 7th, 2010, an extremely well-decorated military man was brought in for questioning and the shocking reveal of his double life would leave Canadians reeling. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. David Russell Williams was born in Bromsgrove, England on March 7th, 1963 but immigrated to Ontario, Canada with his family when he was young, after his father got a job at a premier nuclear research lab. Unfortunately, the move brought with it a new friendship with the Sofkas family. And a few years later, when he was six, his parents divorced and his mother remarried Dr. Jerry Sofkas. Despite this setback, David moved on, went to school, got a job as a newspaper delivery boy, and learned to play the piano. In 1979, the family moved once again, this time to South Korea for his father's new job. But he stayed behind to complete his final two years of high school at a boarding school in Canada, even being elected prefect of his boarding house. Once he finished school, he began to study economics and political science at the University of Toronto, Scarsborough, where he graduated with a BA in 1986, after which he enlisted in the Canadian Forces. About five years later, with his flying wings under his belt and earning the rank of captain, he married Mary Elizabeth Harriman, an associate director of the Heart and Stroke Foundation in Canada. The pair moved to a suburb in Ottawa in 2006, while David was named as the Directorate of Air Requirement at the National Defense Headquarters. In total, David spent 23 years serving in the military, was considered to be one of the best of the best, an elite pilot, rose to the ranks with ease, traveled all over the world, transported VIPs like Queen Elizabeth II and the Prime Minister, was highly decorated for his service, and in 2009 was sworn in as wing commander at the CFB Trenton, Canada's largest military air base and a hub for all foreign and domestic air transport operations, which made all of his crimes that much more shocking when they finally came to light. David spent quite a bit of time at a cottage he owned in the village of Tweed, about 32 miles away from Trenton. On September 8th through the 9th of 2007, David broke into neighboring cottages while the family was away and took various pornographic photos of himself in the underwear of the young girl who lived there. This started to become a common occurrence and David started to amass quite the collection of young women's underwear, both from the homes in Tweed and later in the neighborhood of Orleans where he lived with his wife. He would enter the homes late at night while the homes were empty and either walk through an unlocked door, cut through the screen, force a window open, or pick the lock. 
In total, there were 83 documented burglaries where David stole about 1,400 pairs of undergarments. Now, while this crime does send shivers up most people's spines, at this point, it was relatively harmless. And of course, no one would ever suspect a man with a military career such as David's to be responsible for such a strange crime. Most of the crimes in Tweed were never reported, as most of the women and girls didn't notice anything was missing. But the victims in Orleans seemed to know something was wrong, and soon, undercover officers were posted all around the area. Officers who David kept close track of and, with the help of his detailed logs and systems, was able to continue his break-ins without the officers ever catching on to him. However, a criminal profiler was brought in, and though he wasn't able to lead them directly to David Williams, he did warn that if the burglar kept evading arrest, he was going to become much more aggressive. Unfortunately, this profiler was absolutely correct. In September of 2009, a woman referred to only as Jane Doe and a second named Lori Massacott came forward with a terrifying story to tell. On two separate nights, the 19th and the 30th, each woman had her home broken into by an unknown man who then bound, blindfolded, and assaulted them before forcing them to pose for his photographs. Worried for the rest of the village, constables in Tweed began going door-to-door to to warn any and all women that there was a dangerous prowler in their midst, one they were calling the Tweed Creeper. The following month, on the 23rd of November, Corporal Marie-France Camus had her home broken into and was beaten with a flashlight during a fight with the intruder. Over the course of two hours, she was repeatedly raped and beaten, the whole ordeal caught on both video and still camera. He then duct taped and wrapped up her face and wrapped her body with a comforter where she lay for almost 30 hours before her body was discovered. Corporal Marie France Camus, who lived in a town just west of Trenton, was under the command of David Williams, who personally sent his condolences to her father, a father who I'm sure took great comfort in his call having no idea that he was speaking to her killer. Next to fall victim to David Williams was a woman named Jessica Lloyd, whose Bellevue home was broken into on January 29, 2010. She was raped, forced to pose for his photos, and then driven to his cottage in Tweed, where he continued to attack her until about 8.15 the next morning, at some point cracking open her skull with a flashlight and strangling her with a piece of rope. He hid her body in his garage until dumping it in a forest in early February. Thankfully, after she was reported missing by some concerned co-workers, investigators went to her home and found some very distinctive tire tracks still imprinted into the snow. Given the recent incidents in the surrounding area, a search for Jessica was launched almost immediately and included personnel and an aircraft from CFB Trenton, authorized by Colonel David Williams. They found no trace of the 27-year-old woman. Thankfully, the tracks and a few eyewitnesses helped investigators narrow down the vehicle and were led to a silver Nissan Pathfinder, the same car that David drove, which is why on February 4th, 2010, he was stopped at an OPP checkpoint. The investigators played off the checkpoint to make it seem as though they created to catch drunk drivers, but in actuality, it was set up to find drivers of that distinctive silver SUV. David told the officers that he had a sick child at home, and they let him hurry off, but not before noticing the tread on his tire and putting him on a suspect list. 
From that moment on, David was under police surveillance, and pretty quickly, they realized he lied about the sick child. On February 7th, he was asked to come into the station to tie up a few loose ends and brought into an interrogation room. While this was happening, officers showed up at both his cottage in Tweed and the home he shared with his extremely shocked wife. The search turned up his camera, a duffel bag containing a black skull cap, a manual for lockpicking, thousands of pairs of young women's undergarments, and a hard drive containing over 3,000 photos and detailed records of his crimes. When presented with what they found and asked where Jessica Lloyd's body was, David Williams replied, You got a map? The next morning, he led investigators to her body, which lay just 13 minutes from her home. David was charged with two counts of murder, two counts of home invasion, breaking and entering, forcible confinement, and two counts of sexual assault. Shortly after, on February 8, 2010, David Williams was relieved of his duty as the base commander, and investigators began looking into other unsolved cases in the areas where he was deployed over the course of his 23 years of military service. The public was, to say the least, completely shocked when his crimes became public. David Williams appeared before the Ontario Court of Justice via video link on July 22, 2010, and again on, on August 26th, where he waived his rights to a preliminary inquiry. On October 18, 2010, he pleaded guilty to all of the charges and, three days later, was sentenced to two life sentences for the murder, to 10-year sentences for the assaults, to 10-year sentences for the forcible confinement, and 82 one-year sentences for all of the other charges, all of which must be served concurrently. The next day, the military stripped him of his commission, ranks, and awards, terminated his severance pay and salary, and burned his uniform, medals, and vehicle. His wife began filing for divorce that same year, though it took more than three years for it to become final. During this time, Lori Massacott, one of David's first victims, and a few of his other victims, sued Mary Elizabeth, claiming that she knew what her husband was doing and that she failed to come forward, and because of that, two women lost their lives. She also claims that the post-arrest deal he made was created so he could shield his assets for his wife's financial gain. She also sued the OPP, saying that they should have warned everyone in Tweed after the first attack, that they instead prioritized their investigation over human life and left her and many others vulnerable to his attacks. She said the police called her crazy over the radio and left her naked and bound for hours. Lori, who lived only a few houses away from the Williams, also says they never put David Williams down on a suspect list in her attack because of his position as colonel. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on February 8th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.